Today is Wednesday, September 19, 2018, and this is the National Creditors Bar Association Creditors Rights In-Depth Podcast. Today's topic, Keys to Building a Better Team. And we're joined today by Jill Silman Chapman, who's a Senior Performance Consultant with Insperity Traditional Employment Solutions. Jill holds her bachelor's degree in journalism from the University of Texas at Austin and a master's degree in HR management from Tarleton State University. She's also a SA, SPHR and SHRM SCP certification uh, certified person and has 25-plus years' experience in the HR and the recruiting industry. Uh, we're very glad to have Jill on the call today, and uh, I also want to let everybody know that she's also been a business expert in such media outlets as the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and CBS Market Watch, and has worked with such clients as Marriott, Fox Sports, Monster.com, and HR.com. Jill, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. We are very excited, and we're also extremely excited because we'll also uh, have a, a second opportunity in a couple weeks, I think about 13 days, uh, when you'll also be presenting at our uh, fall conference in Nashville with us. That's right. That's right. Looking forward to that, too. Excellent. So, um, building a better team. I think all of us uh, who've been in business and who've had uh, the responsibility and the honor to uh, attract and recruit talent and employees to our organizations uh, know that uh, there's all different ways about going about it. But uh, let me lead in with uh, this question. You know, when you're looking at attracting the right talent, what does it really take to, to attract the right talent to your business? Well, I think we could fill up the entire podcast trying to answer that question. But I think that, you know, if, if I had to hone in on a couple of things that were important to the attraction part of, of getting the talent to the table, uh, getting people to notice your organization, I, I think it has everything to do with polishing your, your employment brand, right? You want to be able to, to talk about your core values. So you need to know what those core values are and then be able to, to put them in the most positive spin or highlight them, if you will. So, you know, it's, it's the kinds of things that make you special, like maybe you have a relaxed dress code or maybe you have really flexible schedules or you have a huge community involvement footprint with your organization, things like that. Being able to um, to put that out front um, in your employment brand. And if you don't really know what you think that the, the talent is seeking, talk to some of your high performers and ask them, why did you join our company? Why do you stay at our company? And I think you'll you'll learn what's great about working um, working for you. Um, you might also check out the competition a little bit, see how they're marketing themselves, um, and and see what drivers they're using in the job market um, to be able to to help you define what you need to do to to showcase um, your organization to be able to attract the right the right folks to come to you. Excellent. As you well know, um, National Creditors Bar Association, uh, we have over 500 law firms who specialize in mm -hmm. creditors' rights law. And so uh, in some of the, the law work that uh, the employees at those firms do, uh, some of that specialized because it deals in uh, creditors' rights law, debt collection practice, mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes they're in high demand. And I know that Insperity has... Uh, uh, moved into and continues to work in uh, professional services firms, particularly law firms. When you're looking for specialized skills or people where there may be a higher demand for people but not quite the uh, large pool of applicants with that, um, mm -hmm. how do you think firms can best go about trying to 
attract some of those candidates for those types of positions that are in higher demand or more specialized in their work? Right. Well, we have a we have a fun name for those. I'm going to share how old I am at the um, um, in the recruiting space because when I came into the recruiting space, we called people like that that might be harder to identify or in high demand. We would call them purple squirrels because we'd be, you know, have you ever seen a purple squirrel? No. So, um, you know, those are the kind of people that we were the elusive kind of people that we were looking for. We now call them the hipper kids. Call them unicorns now. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are um, those are. Some of the uh, the ways that we refer to that that talent that's, that's harder to um, to identify usually because they have a lot of options available to them and many times they're firmly ensconced where they are and they're not necessarily out there looking um, you know at your organization so you know I I think a couple of tips for trying to get to those particular people would be you know making sure that you're covering what I would call niche, uh, niche sites, um, you know, very specific to their skill sets, very um, specific. You know, you, you kind of go in where they hang out. So if they happen to be involved in um, um, associations, maybe other than, um, than the, the basic associations, but other things that you see that they're affiliated with, other organizations, maybe you advertise there and you make yourself, um, um, you know, um, uh, a parent on on some of those sites or in some of their print ads or or sponsorships of some of those organization and association meetings. Um, you can also target certain things, uh, certain groups on LinkedIn, certain skill sets on LinkedIn. So that might be um, a thought. And even some of the national career boards will allow you to hone in on specific skill sets or specific um, backgrounds. And so. Um, you know, you might you might think about that, but I would highly encourage just seeking out the different kinds of professional organizations um, that they might be a part of beyond your own association. But perhaps, you know, um, they're part of a, a, a legal assistance uh, group or something like that. So mm-hmm. maybe you start networking in places like that. You start sponsoring some of their meetings. You make yourself very um, available and uh, at, uh, you know attractive um, in in those kinds of in those kind of moments. Maybe even think about student groups um, because, you know, everybody has to get started sometime somewhere. Uh, and so sometimes uh, student groups that might be affiliated um, with certain industry or certain skill sets, that might be something. And you can start cultivating those graduating seniors. Maybe even look at um, internships that then move into full-time opportunities later on. But um, I think something that's sometimes hard for us, something that we have to learn how to do is, to brag a little bit, right? Um, And and so anything that you can do to highlight the perks about um, your organization, those things that you think would be um, necessary to be able to woo those good candidates, get it out there um, and, you know, brag a little. Excellent. So I I know that, you know, many people are creatures of habit, and particularly in business, uh, I've seen it over and over. I think I'm giving away my age over the 35 years that I've been in the nonprofit <laughs> side. Uh, you know, many people get comfortable uh, with what they do, mm-hmm. and that includes, I think, processes and policies. And so when we talk mm-hmm. about recruiting, um, what would you say might be some of the warning signs that some of our firm owners and managing partners ought to be uh, keeping in mind when they look about, re- you know, at retooling their recruiting processes and, you know, policies. Right, right, yeah. And so, I, you know, experience is everything, right? And I think that what you have to bear in mind is that your recruiting process, whatever it is, 
is going to leave a major impression on that job candidate, on any job candidate that, that interacts with you, whether they go full on through the interview process or they stop after they've taken a look at your, you know, at your website or something like that. So how you differentiate your company, what you offer, how you treat your candidates and how you treat your employees once, once you make that hire, um, are, are going to be the things that you need to be able to attract those qualified candidates that, that can help your, your business, uh, your business succeed. But I think that, um, um, some of the, the, Warning signs, I guess, if you will, that, that maybe, hey, our strategy isn't working. We're not pulling in those folks. Um, uh, if you're having some turnover, um, turnover is a great indicator that maybe things were a little amiss, um, at the, at the early stages when you're bringing people in. Um, except poor retention, it, it possibly means that you didn't hire the right people in the first place. Um, if, you are noticing that your supervisors feel completely overwhelmed or, or overloaded. Um, uh, you know, tr- supervisors are, are key to, to your talent and the retention of your talent. Um, they're also key to training and coaching on the job for these folks. So um, if you're having constant meetings for poor performance or um, lack of skills, that actually can revert back or tie back to the fact that um, that your um, uh, that your policies and your processes are are a little out uh, out of sync with what you're trying to do, and, and definitely any kind of productivity problems that you're seeing with your staff, um, you know, ill-equipped or unenthusiastic workers, um, those things are costing your your business. Those are going to cost your your business clients. It's going to cost you um, in the profit category as well. So those things, while you might not think, oh, well, that that's because of our recruiting process, you'd be surprised how you can track it all the way back to the beginning. So if you start to notice those things within your organization, there's a super good chance that you probably need to go backwards. Um, all the way to your recruiting processes to think about doing things a little bit differently. And I'm going to assume that most people uh, don't think of the uh, bottom line costs really that all this entails when when you start going mm-hmm. through that massive turnover, the amount of cost that it takes not only to uh, train folks, but then you know to have to train over and over and over again. Uh, Really, I think, uh, you know, hits the bottom line uh, very directly for, mm-hmm. for most firms. Right. You um, know, I've heard numbers that are incredible as far as that turnover uh, and what it costs. I've heard small uh, uh, proximity of like 60% of a first-year annual salary. I've also heard numbers um, that if it's a $70,000 employee, it could cost up to maybe Three hundred and seventy to four hundred thousand dollars to actually replace that employee and and um, to get over the hurdle of, of turnover. So that's that's not chump change, right? That's not small potatoes. So these things are are important, you know, to be able to um, make sure that we're identifying the right people in the first place. Absolutely. So one of the words that that jumped out as you were talking about, you know, the processes uh, was uh, the the phrase or the term interview. And I know that um, there are people who feel that they're they're experts in it, and there's people who uh, just don't necessarily look forward to to the uh, that whole process. Um, but I think whether you're at the beginning or whether you're experienced within. Uh, the interview process, uh, those do's and the don'ts that, that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we could just touch on a, a couple of the ones, particularly as we go through, you know, and I think as times change, uh, 
interview questions and the laws and the mm-hmm. regulations and the guidelines all change too. So maybe you could uh, just talk on some of the, the do's and the don'ts that, that go on through that process for folks. You know, when I'm consulting or working with some of our clients and and, uh, and just talking about this whole process, I'm going to start from the very beginning, the moment that the person walks through the door. Actually, we need to back up beyond that because it's being ready for that person and creating a, a bit of a rapport as they come they come in. You know, it, if you know that you have an, an interview coming up, take a few minutes, block some time off before that person comes in the door so you can review their resume, you can, uh, you know, return any phone calls or something like that so you can be prepared for them and ready for them and then giving them the respect that they need during that interview time. So many times I've seen hiring managers, you know, racing to the door to answer, you know, to, to greet the, the person, uh, a resume in hand or asking the, the candidate, did you bring your resume with you? And, and surely in the first few minutes of, of that interview taking precious time um, to review that resume when that should have done, been done way in advance. You're sending a message to the candidate that maybe you don't really have time for this, you don't really care about this, and this isn't as important as I think it ought to be to your organization. So I think making candidates feel welcome, to feel comfortable building that rapport, I think that's definitely a, a, a a big thing, a big item that, that folks can do to, to kick it off um, the right way. And, you know, in the course of the interview, I don't think that's the time to actually um, do a ticky-dock review of the resume, if you will. I think um, I think what you want to focus on when they're with you, you may want to ask about maybe a gap or, or a little bit of this or a little bit of that, but I, don't spend the whole time in a resume review. Start talking about the skills and the competencies. Um, I'm a big believer, and so is my organization in Sparity. We're huge believers in behavioral-based interviews. Past behavior is definitely going to predict um, future results. And we, under, we understand that companies, when they will use a behavioral-based interview, um, will perform outperform to, like, I think, five times those who don't ask these kind of deeper questions to find out about the skills and the competencies of, um, of their um, – you know, other candidates. So I, I definitely think that that's another uh, must-do, um, if you will. So don't spend time reviewing the resume, but do spend time um, in a behavioral-based interviewing um, question and answer session. And, and I think, too, um, it's a great opportunity for you to do a little research on what the brand of your organization is out there in the marketplace. You can, you know, you can ask them, you know, what do you know about my company? What do you know about um, our organization? What can you tell me about our company? Because I think that will um, give them um, uh, or give you a chance to kind of hear what's uh, what's the drumbeat on the street um, about your organization. Um, and that can help you to, to to better understand the candidate and what's important to them, as well as, I think, again, from a, a branding perspective, um, better understand your own your own organization. Sure. Now, relative to your own interviewing, and I'm sure that you've interviewed a ton of people over your time, do you have any favorite questions <laughs> that uh, you like to throw out at uh, candidates who are coming in looking for positions? Right. Well, I, I think the favorite ones are the ones that you plan for in advance, right? The, they're the things that, that you're just not kind of winging it when you get into um, um, into the interview. So you need to think about what interview questions you're going to ask so that you can properly assess the candidates, you know. Um, I think anything that can give an insight into their personalities and their capabilities 
um, that's going to help you narrow down, you know, um, your candidate pool and, and really uh, be able to identify the, the best possible fits for you. Um, you know, we ask a number of behavioral-based interviewing questions when you're going through the interview process at my organization, and, and they vary based on what we're needing to get from this uh, this candidate versus that candidate. But, um, you know, being able to ask them questions like, you know, what's your process when you have to make a difficult decision? I think that can give you some real insight um, to, to the person. Or, um, you know, we, we work in, in teams now, and there's, you know, the possibility that people aren't always going to get along on the team. So maybe asking about situations when they had to work with somebody that they didn't like or somebody that they didn't respect, you know, ask them what their coping mechanisms were for those kind of uh, of situations. Or, um, you know, you your organization, your association in particular, has people that are, are tied to deadlines and things like that. So maybe asking about their ability to – to keep commitments or to be able to describe a time when it was difficult to um, to keep a commitment. You know, um, if they're in a supervisory capacity, maybe ask them about how they energized unmotivated employees. Um, you know, what did they do? What was the result of that sort of thing? But all of these are kind of um, show-and-tell kind of questions, you know, where you're asking them, show me what you've done before. Tell me how that worked. Um, and And... and the applicants need to be able to give you examples. Um, and, and if they can't, that may be a red flag that they're exaggerating their history a little bit. But when you do sure. these questions correctly, they're going to tell you. They could say, it was Tuesday morning, it was raining outside, I was wearing a purple shirt, um, you know, whatever. Because it can get very into that moment and be able to describe it in, um, you know, in, in very clear terms. Well, that leads me to my next question, which is really when you're hiring, uh, I think there are, you know, a couple different schools of thought, maybe even more than that, but uh, the one is relative to hiring for skill or hiring for fit. And I know that. Ah, the magic question, right? Yeah, people, yeah, people yeah. talk a lot about chemistry in an organization, and then people say, well, you know, but they're, they're great you know, skills, they've got experience of, you know, 10 plus years and, you know, their experience and skill set are, are so high. Um, and my question always is, well, how will they fit with the team that's, you know, that's coming in and everything? So, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Hiring for skill or yeah. hiring for fit? So I'm going to say people can be taught a lot of things that they can't be taught to fit into your organization, right? Um, and, and so if the candidate doesn't mesh with your culture, it's not going to be easy to change them, right? Um, but most people can pick up skills if, if you're willing to invest the time to train them. So I think if you've got two candidates that seem otherwise outstanding for the role, you know, based on your interview, and one has great skills and the other one seems like they're a better personality fit for your company, you know, how do you decide? I, I think you ask yourself some questions. I think you say, you know, where am I willing to compromise? Am I willing to um, give up the time and energy to train this person who seems to be a better culture fit but doesn't quite have the years of experience with, or, you know, the, the, the skills with Microsoft Word that this other one happens to have? So, you know, where are you willing to compromise? What are you willing to teach, I think? Um, and, and really thinking about them. Either way, people are going to have to be trained to the way that you do things, right? Like people just don't walk in and they're magically able to assimilate, fit right in. So, so think about which one do you think would be easier to train to your particular organization? 
Um, but if I had to, if you held a gun to my head and said I had to pick one, I'm going to say it's a whole lot easier to teach somebody or to hire somebody who already fits and, and teach them something than it is to try to teach them to fit. Yeah. I would tend to agree with you. I think we're on the same page there. So, uh, Jill, we're coming towards the end uh, of the time that we have today, and I know that people, like I said, uh, can have a second opportunity if they uh, head out to Nashville on October the 4th uh, that morning to uh, be able to uh, listen to you and Steve Markoff uh, on a panel that we have uh, on the topic. Um, But if you had something that you wanted our listeners today to uh, walk away with, what would be that that one thing that you really want them to remember and take away from our conversation here today? Yeah. I I think if you just are willing to put a square peg in a round hole, you're just trying to slap somebody into your organization, I think in that case, placing people in positions, that's easy, right? But I think if you're trying to look for the talent that's going to help you get your business to another level, I, th- I think that's a completely different story. And, and really, at the end of the day, people are your business. You can be providing a service, but it's those people that are going to provide the service. It's the people that are the heart of, of what makes your company successful. So when you have the right fit, you're, I, can, I can guarantee that you will experience increased profitability, you'll experience increased performance, you'll experience increased productivity, and, and basically those are the essentials for, for every business, right? Um, so attracting the kind of talent that, that you need to be able to do that is going to mean that you've got to do some heavy lifting beforehand. You've got to look at your company culture. You've got to look at your, your processes and your policies and the way that you think about um, attracting and and um, recruiting and and retaining talent. So I think my message is that this isn't something that, that's easy. There's there's a little bit more involved than just placing an ad and, and taking the first person that responds. Excellent. Jill, I can't thank you enough for uh, your giving us your time today, and I look forward to uh, seeing you in about two weeks in Nashville, Tennessee. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Great. Thanks, Jill. Have a great afternoon. Uh You too.